we've learned thus far that the scriptures might not all be used when you're, when you're trying to win someone to the Lord, but when witnessing to a person, just about every question they could ask you can be found through these scriptures that we're, we're looking at and studying on the Roman road. Now, we've learned so far that there are no righteous people on this earth, never have been, never will be. Stand there's a bunch of people who think they're righteous and think they're God's gift and think that they walk around just anointing people with their presence. But, I mean, they're, they're wrong according to this scripture. Not me, Sarah, but according to this scripture. Scripture says that there's none righteous, no, not one. Uh, we, we've, uh, we also learned the only thing that is righteous is Jesus and Jesus alive in us. We learned last, th- last week that, that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. With this scripture knowledge that, that all men sin, we are pressed to do something to fix the sin issue in our lives. The only one who can fix our sin issue is guess who? Jesus. You can try anything and everything in the world once you realize you're a sinner to fix the sin in your life, but there's only one who can fix that sin, and that's Jesus. Now, this morning, let's move to our third stop or our third step on the Roman road. Let's look at Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. Romans 6, 23 says this, for the wages, and I'd encourage you to underline wages, for the wages of sin is death. Now, I'd encourage you to underline death. But the gift, I'd encourage you to underline the word gift. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is, an emphatic is, and I would encourage you to underline the words, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in, I would encourage you to underline the words, Christ Jesus our Lord. Now let's read it again without interruption. It says, Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's step three of the Roman road, church. Let's pray. Our Father, Lord God, we come to you this morning. And Lord, we, we, we're coming to you from all different places, all over Savannah, all over the, the state of Georgia maybe. We, we've got people who are in different states that are watching. And Lord, we've got people all over America. And, and Lord, there's people who are probably going to watch this, this message from all over the world. And, and we thank you for that ability. We thank you, Lord, that we're able to, to broadcast this, this ministry and this message that the world might hear. But God, we we need more than the world to hear. We need the world to listen. So God, right now, I pray that whoever's listening, however they're listening, whenever they're listening, that God, we will stop what we're doing and we'll pay attention to you. Not me, but pay attention to you. Because you wrote these words that we might hear them, God. That they might not be just idle words, but they'll make an impression in our hearts and our lives, God, that we might be better than who we were yesterday because of this scripture. In Jesus' name I do pray, and all God's children said, amen. Uh, now, now that we've come to some good news in the Roman road, did y'all see it? We finally, finally, 
finally come to some good news in the Roman road. The last two weeks may have sounded almost like a beatdown, so to speak. Our scripture, uh, our scripture was stating the truth the last two, two couple, couple of weeks in love, not in hurt, to motivate us to see ourselves through the eyes of God. We now stand in front of the person that we're prospectively witnessing to, and they know that they are not righteous. They know that they are sinners, that they have a, 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 they have a scriptural points that, that, that points us this morning now to the direction of salvation. A scripture that resolves our righteousness or our unrighteousness and our sin. We now have a scripture stand that points us to salvation. That, that's a good thing, amen? The last couple of weeks it's been like, oh man, yeah, that's me. Ooh, God, you know, Kyle, yeah, I'm, I'm unrighteous. Uh, yeah, God, I mean, I can't deny it. I, I'm a sinner. But this morning, David, we have a resolution to the unrighteousness and the sin. So what does our scripture tell us this morning? Well, I want us to do what we've done the past two weeks uh, as we reach the, 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 the step three of the Roman roads. I want us to read our scripture in context. So y'all thought we were finished. Boy, it took us a long time to get through 6 to 23, but we're going to read it in context. Y'all ready? So turn back to Romans chapter 6, and we're going to start reading in verse 15. And I, as, I, as, I'm start, as I'm reading this, imagine Paul writing this and feel the passion of what he's writing. So Romans 6 verse 15 says this, What then? Should we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Absolutely not. Do, do you not know that if you, if you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of that one that you obey, either of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But, but thank God that although you used to be slaves of sin, you obeyed from the heart that pattern of teaching you were entrusted to. And having been liberated from sin, you became enslaved to righteousness. I am using a, her, a human analogy because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you offered the parts of yourselves as slaves to, to, to moral impurity and to greater and greater lawlessness, so now offer them as slaves to righteousness, which results in sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free from allegiance to righteousness. And what fruit was produced when, when from the things you were ashamed of? For the end of those things is death. But now, but now, once more, but now, since you have been liberated from sin and become enslaved to God, you have your fruit which results in sanctification. And the end is eternal life. Amen? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The title of these verses that I just read this morning from 15 to 23 is appropriately titled, From Slaves of Sin to Slaves of God. From Slaves of Sin to Slaves of God. 
As we come to yet another compelling factor on the Roman road study, we can feel the passion and desire in Paul's words he is writing to the people in Rome. Church, where? Where does this passion and desire come from? It comes from a person who knows who they used to be. Where does this passion come from? We think, oh, it's the, it's the Apostle Paul. But we need, to, we need to see that. But Miss Barbara, we need to understand these words are coming from a person who knows who they used to be. From a person who used to be consumed by sin. Who is now free from the penalty of sin. Do you realize what happened in the life of Paul when he himself realized the depths of what he wrote to the Romans? Do you, do you realize what happened to Paul? Paul was, was the, the Pharisee of Pharisee. He, he was a, a great Jew. He was a Jew among Jews. He followed the Jewish law to the letter. As you recall, he, he so followed the Jewish law to the letter that he persecuted Christians. John, John listen, he, he wanted, he wanted to, to, to reach out and do what God wanted him to do. And he thought that he was in God's will when he was persecuting Christians, when he was killing Christians, when he was imprisoning Christians. As, as he's writing this message to us today, as he's writing the message to the, to the Roman people of that day, you can feel the passion because he knew who he was and what God brought him through. Church, he was under the full bondage of the Jewish law. And he's writing this now, and he realized he's now released. He's released from that law. And so are we this morning. We're, we're not bound by anything but the grace, love, and mercy of Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, we see in verses 15 and 16 that Paul asks two important questions to his readers. And the answer to these questions we, we need to see. The first question is this, should we, and, and we need to insert ourselves here, it says, should we sin because we are no longer, because we are uh, no longer under the law but under grace? Paul's answer to this question is absolutely not. Church, what Paul is saying here is that the grace that we have been freely given to us by God through the death of his son is not a free pass to sin now as we please because we're now saved. Do you see, we have two, two different entities here. We, we've got the law which kept you under the penalty of sin. You had to constantly work, constantly do works, constantly do things in the temple, constantly pray, constantly light this candle, constantly offer sacrifices, and, and you were always under the penalty of sin. Over here through grace, through the blood of Jesus Christ, God dismissed us and relieved us from all of this over here. And what Paul is asking here is this. He says, because we now have grace, does that allow us to sin? Freely sin? And this is a question that needs to be answered. Because people call themselves Christians every single day, and they openly and, and, and just frivolously sin. And they know that, that they're sinning. Scripture says that it's sin. Paul says, listen, 
Just because you're saved doesn't give you a permit to sin. We know. We know. Well, Brother Kyle, I, I don't know. Yes, you do. Scripture says, well, I, I don't know what Scripture is. Well, I, 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 can't, you know, I can't give you a pass here. All you have to do is get in the Word of God. Don't, don't come to me and say, Brother Kyle, is so sin, is so and so sin? And people do all the time. Brother Kyle, tell me, tell me what you think about this. Is this sin? When they already, already know the answer. We do not get a free pass, church, because we're saved. Then he asks a second question. We see is, is this. He says, don't you know that you are slaves to the one you obey? Oh my goodness. We're slaves to the one we obey, either to sin unto death or, or of disobedience leading to righteousness. With this question, we are now faced with a choice. We choose. Dan, we choose here. Savannah, we choose here. Listen, we choose. Deborah, we choose here. This is our choice. Either disobedience or obedience. Disobedience or sin which reads, leads to unrighteousness or we, we align ourselves with the choice of following God and righteousness. Those are the two choices this morning. Does this mean that, that when, we, when we choose or, or we, we, we can lose our salvation if, if we continue in sin? No. But it does mean we are slaves to who we submit to. You're either slaves to the sin or you're slaves to God. You're slaves to, to the world or you're slaves to seeking the righteousness of God. Now, Paul then writes of something that, that should take place in the lives, in our lives when we come to Jesus. Look at verse 17. Verse 17 says this. Paul writes, but thank God that although you used to be slaves to sin, you obeyed from the heart that pattern of teaching you were entrusted to. And having been liberated from sin, you became enslaved to righteousness. Do you know what that means? That means when Jesus saved you, and you were able to feel his righteousness through the Holy Spirit of God, you sought after that righteousness. That righteousness was so new and so, so wonderful. And, and you can, I mean, you can even describe it like, like food. It was so delicious and so good and tasting in your mouth that you wanted more and more and more and more of that righteousness. Let, let, let's put it, let, let's, let's go with the food thing. Everybody in here has a food that they absolutely love. Most people would say, I, I, I absolutely love a big steak. That, that, I mean, steak smells delicious to me, but it, it never has a satisfying, you know, when it gets in my mouth and I'm, I'm done. I, I just, no, 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 no. Every Friday, sometimes more than one time a week, Amy and I have to have Mexican food. She'll come home from work and she says, you know, I, I just, I've had a bad day. She said, Honey, I need some salsa. Can I get a witness in here? She says, I, I, I need some salsa. And there's, there's restaurants that have good salsa and some have, a, you know, different kinds of salsa. There's, there's one the church, you know, we, we go to a lot in Richmond Hill, and it's got a lot of pepper in it. And it's good, and they give you a big bowl, but it's, I mean, uh, uh. 
But the restaurant we go to, I mean, it's, it's got the tomatoes and the cilantro and the jalapenos. And man, it's just, it's, they give you a little bowl. And as you're sitting there with the chips and, you're, and the bowl's about empty, guess what you do? You know what you do? Y'all know what you do? Come on, help me. Y'all know what you do? You, you get that waiter's attention and say, hey, uh, can you get me some more salsa? You know why? Because you're hungry for more. You, you want more, right? This, this is what the righteousness he's talking about this morning. When the Holy Spirit gives you a taste of the righteousness of God and it's in your life, you, you don't want less, you want more. It's almost like you're greedy for the righteousness of God. And listen, if it's, if it's, if it's okay to be greedy for anything, Bill, it's, gr- it's good to be greedy for the righteousness of God, to want more and more righteousness. I apologize. Some of y'all probably just got real hungry and you're ready to dismiss right now. Let's go to Mexico. <laughs> we choose, church. Paul then gives those who he is writing a huge reminder in verse 19. One that that we need to remember and hear this morning as well. Listen, if y'all don't get anything else, you need to hear this this morning. Y'all with me? Everybody awake? He says this, our flesh is weak. Our flesh is weak. Church, we cannot get around this. We cannot get past this. We cannot bypass this. We must face this. And how we face the fact that our flesh is weak is by making choices in our lives. And when we do not make those choice, right choices, we, we, we are when we do make those right choices, we are sanctified by Christ. But when we make the wrong choices, we slowly remove ourselves from the presence of God. Y'all, y'all do know, listen, y'all, y'all do know, Satan, Satan just doesn't just walk up to your door one morning or one afternoon and kick the door down and say, I'm taking you with me. You've been serving Jesus long enough. He doesn't do that. He doesn't. He slowly and subtly and methodically, slowly pulls you back to him. From the day you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, your enemy, Satan, the world who Satan belongs to, has slowly been trying to pull you back to himself. He he doesn't do it all at once. He doesn't kick down the door. But understand this. We have to allow it. We have to take that step backwards. We have to take that other step backwards. And we have to take that other step backwards. We don't, God does not, listen, God does not remove himself from our presence. We remove ourselves from the presence of God. Let let me say that again. God does not remove himself from our presence. All throughout the Old Testament, he's calling his people back, back to him, begging his people, come back to me. And I'm sure there's somebody in this sanctuary this morning or somebody who's living li- watching live stream. God's doing that very thing in your life. He's begging you, come back to me. Come back to me. You don't have to take a step backwards. You don't have to do that. You don't have to drink that. You don't have to touch that. You don't have to smoke that. You don't have to watch that. You don't have to do it. Come back to me. But it's our choice. It's our choice. We see in verses 20 and 22, Paul explaining the fruit of past choices and the fruit that comes from making righteous choices. Look at verse 20. Verse 20 says this, For when you were slaves to sin, 
you were free from the allegiance of righteousness. When you were in, y'all remember, y'all, listen, y'all remember that. Back before you accepted Christ, your personal Savior, and you didn't, nobody told you you were a sinner. You, you were doing things and, and it, it never bothered you, did it? It never bothered you because it never even entered your mind that what you were doing was sin. You were just doing what everybody else was doing, right? I mean, everybody else is doing it. It must be okay. It must be fine. Listen to it again, what he says in verse 20. For when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the allegiance of righteousness. There was no judgment. You, judgment was coming, but there was no self-judgment. And what fruit was produced what fruit was produced then from the things that you were ashamed of? For the end of those things is death. But now, since you have been liberated from sin and become enslaved to God, you have your fruit, which results in sanctification, and the end is eternal life. Church, our, our choices should be easy for us to make. It should be easier for us to align ourselves with God as Christians. Should it not? It really should. This scripture begs the reader to evaluate their lives to see who it is they're truly enslaved to in this world. Church, I, I was a slave to sin of this world and, and I had no clue until someone loved me enough to show me who God was. I've never tried to hide it. I've told everybody. I wasn't raised in church. My parents didn't go to church. I might have seen the inside of the church maybe five or six times, maybe ten times by the time I was 18 years old. I, I, I didn't have a clue. I didn't have a clue what sin was. But somebody loved me enough. Dan, somebody loved me enough, and I don't understand why. Somebody loved me enough to tell me about the love of God. And that my actions were in direct violation to the will of God. When I learned this, when I learned this, I didn't like it. I was troubled in a way I can't explain. Church, I have been in a place where I was seeking righteousness and still in the world. And I didn't like that place either. I was seeking God's will, but I was still living in the world. I didn't like that place either. The one place I've been in my life is the one place every believer ought to be striving daily to be is sinning less. Did you hear me? Sinning less. I didn't say not, not sinless, but striving to sin less to be sanctified by the Lord. That, that's where we ought to be. Brother Kyle, I, I'm not sure what sin is. Well, you may want to sit, look at your salvation. Because the Holy Spirit reveals to you what sin is. If you're saved, really, really, listen, if you're saved really and truly, you don't need the Word of God to tell you what sin is. It does. Listen, it absolutely does. The Word of God absolutely emphatically tells you what sin is. But Miss Desi, please don't get wrong. Don't you come up and get on me after this, this message. But if you are truly saved, you really don't need the Bible to tell you what sin is because the Holy Spirit that is supposed to be living in you screams in your face and your ear every time right before you sin. He lets you know that you're about to sin. Why is that? Because at one point you have been sanctified by Jesus. Now, here's a question that comes 
from verse 21. Look at verse 21. Verse 21 says, And what fruit was produced then from the things you are now ashamed? Let's say that again. And what fruit was produced then from the things you are now ashamed of? Here's the question. Are you ashamed of who you were? That's the question that begs to be answered. Are you ashamed of who you were? This could very well be the evidence of who you are now. Because there has to be a revelation of knowing who you once were and seeing the progress of who you are now. Are you ashamed of who you used to be? I, I, listen, I've never tried to hide it. Brandon, I was a liar, a cheat, a thief. I was a drunk. I was a whoremonger. I was a womanizer. I didn't know God. I didn't know anything about God. And I didn't know I needed God. But when Jesus saved my life, he changed me. He transformed me. Brother Kyle, you're saying you're perfect now. Absolutely not. I am not perfect, but I am not the person I used to be, and I'm ashamed of the words that used to come out of my mouth. I am ashamed of the things that I used to do. I am ashamed of the actions that I used to take. I was telling somebody just today, this past week, I've been done wrong. I'm talking I've been done very wrong, financially wrong. I don't know that I'll ever be able to recoup what financially I was done wrong. And listen, Brother Kyle has prayed. Brother Kyle has turned it over to God. But listen to me. Kyle is still in here. Do you hear me? And, and the Holy Spirit saying, listen, give that to God. You can't handle it. You can't do anything about it. Just trust that God's God in control. And Kyle's over here saying, listen, what you need to do is go up here and do this. And you need to follow that person, and you need to put a tracker on their car so when they leave, you'll know where they are. And listen, you can get them, man. You can get them. You know people, and they've got ball bats, and they'll tear them up. Isn't that right, Angie? What's changed? I am not this person anymore. Kyle's still in here, but I'm ashamed of who Kyle used to be. Are you ashamed of who you used to be? There should be a time in your life where you remember who you used to be and don't ever want to be that person again. Never be that person again. You want the righteousness of God because you know it's the right thing. The Holy Spirit tells you and the Word of God tells you. We now come to verse 23. We now come to verse 23, which is step three in the Roman road. We now know the full weight of what this scripture holds. We now know as believers the seriousness of this compelling step. The person you are prospectively witnessing to now knows that they are not righteous. That, that only God is righteous. That they must seek God, they must seek Jesus to find this righteousness. They also know that they are a sinner in need of a Savior. And that the Scripture says that Jesus is the only way and the only one who can save them from their sins. Now, we're right here at Romans 6, 23. It says, for the wages, for the wages... 
What is a wage? A wage is when you have a job. You go in, and this job might be, I mean, you could have just started or you could, Dan, you could have been there for 20 years, but you are given a wage. You might be on salary, you might be on hourly, Jeff, you might be on commission, but you have a wage. And your employer gives you your wage determined by what you have worked for. In other words, what you have earned. What you've earned. So listen to it this way. For, the earn, for what you have earned of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Hold on, Brother Kyle. Hold, hold, wait, wait a minute. You just said not loss of salvation. I'm not talking about loss of salvation. I'm talking about death. Death. If you're in sin and you never accept Christ as your personal Savior, it is a spiritual death. I also heard years ago, I, I, I don't know this to be true, I heard one preacher say there's like a, a collection jar and every time you sin, you're this one, one step closer to death. Our sin leads us to death. Does that mean we're going to die and go to hell? No, it just it means that you're lessening your days here on this earth. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. But the gift. That, that's good news, church. A gift. How many of y'all love gifts? We, we all do. We, we, all of us love gifts. This is the greatest gift in all the world. Well, what it means is, is we, we really didn't deserve it. It was just given to us, unmerited. God saw something in us, and he wanted to stand. He wanted to give us something we didn't deserve. It is a gift, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Brother Kerry, what? what? I've been given a lot of great things. I love gifts for my grandchildren. I mean, I, I used to listen. When my kids used to bring me stuff, when they'd make it in Sunday school and, and at school, like the macaroni people, I'd be like, oh, great, what are we going to do with this one? I mean, we have this massive collection. I mean, not just with one child, times three. At the same time, I mean, they'd go to the same Sunday school class, bam, bam, bam. And we'd have to write their names on it because we didn't know who wrote it because they were all terrible, right? <laughs> but now the grandchildren give us these things. And it's just like, oh, ah, look, did you do this? Really, you did this? And it's just like what your children gave you, but I mean, it's, just, it's grandchildren, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? That's nothing compared to eternal life. What, what could, think of anything anybody could get. Some of y'all have already told your spouse or your mom or your dad what you want for Christmas. What's greater than eternal life? What is it? There, there's nothing. Absolutely nothing. The wages of sin is death. But the gift, 
The gift of God is eternal life. Where? Where does this come from? In Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, our Lord alone. That's where eternal life comes from. That's the only place it can come from. Church, we need to be willing to study these scriptures to make us greater vessels for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for His glory. We need to be willing to use these scriptures to show the world who they really are in the sight of God. I once was a lost man, and someone loved me enough to tell me the truth. Somebody loved you enough to tell you the truth. What we're studying, church, is the truth. If we're not willing to tell the lost world the truth of this scripture, who will? Who will? Do you know my Jesus? Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning. Again, asking you to forgive us of our sins. Lord, I pray that you would be with us during this time of invitation. Be with those who are watching and those who are present in the sanctuary. I pray that your spirit would be felt and you would move in a way that only you can move. If there's somebody who's watching or there's somebody in the sanctuary this morning who doesn't know you as their personal Savior, I pray that the day will be the day of their salvation, that they'll either call me or they'll come down right now and let me show them what the Word of God says every person must do to be born again.